You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 236 of Podcateers. By the time that this episode is released, we will be past Christmas and almost every other holiday this season. So we hope that you've all had a wonderful time celebrating. This week, we talk about the awesome that can come when two music styles collide. The Tropical Hideaway is now open at Disneyland. We discuss some of the things that we may see and hope to see during Mickey's upcoming celebration. And we discuss an online petition regarding the use of the phrase Akuna Matata. Remember that if you want to join the conversation, you can connect with us by searching for Podcateers on Facebook, Instagram, or on Twitter. You can also leave a comment in the blog post for this episode at podcateers.com slash 236. If you got any of those Amazon gift cards that you need to blow on awesome merchandise before you make that next purchase, give us a hand by starting off that purchase over at podcateers.com slash Amazon and then by clicking on the big button on that page. Doing that will take you to Amazon using our special referral link and anything that you buy may earn us a small commission as a thank you from Amazon for mentioning them on this podcast. To everyone that has taken a few extra seconds to help us out in that way, we thank you very, very much. Finally, a big shout out as always to the FGP squad for their help in making these episodes of Podcateers possible via their contributions on Patreon. For more info on how you can become one of our podcast fairy godparents, head on over to podcateers.com FGP. To all of the members of the FGP squad, thank you as always for your help and support. All right, so once again, we hope you've had a wonderful time celebrating the holidays. Here is episode 236 of Podcateers. That's like my favorite part of the whole thing. (laughs) You know, it's those types of little things that just make you feel better after a long, long day of Christmas shopping. Because, like, last minute Christmas shopping. Well, I mean, that's what you do, right? Yeah, because right. online sales and stuff for the last month or two isn't good enough. It doesn't get really good until like the last day or two before Christmas. Everybody knows that. It's not the real experience unless you're full on, you know, jingle all the weighing it. That's the way it should be. Wrestling for toys. That's right, America. That's how you do it. It's <laughs> how you do it. Uh, little little uh, oh. elbow drop here, leg drop there. Rock bottom here, Stone Cold Stunner there. That's how you get your toys for Christmas, man. (laughs) And in case anybody's wondering, I'm kidding about that. (laughs) But I did spend a very lovely day in super long lines and in a lot of traffic because I wasn't kidding about starting my holiday shopping yesterday. Yikes. I think most of you know that we record this several days before it's released. And so I didn't know if I should start the conversation off with like, hey, guys, how was your Christmas? Because this episode is going to be released after Christmas. But we're recording this before and that would have just been dumb. (laughs) So I just thought, okay, uh, you know, it's Christmas Eve Mm -hmm. Eve because it's two days before Christmas. And, um, oh man, seriously, it's been a super frustrating day. 
knowing that I was going to come hang out with you guys and then hang out with my wife for a little while and watch some TV when we're done pretty much is what helped me get through my day today because uh, it's just, oh, shoppers. <laughs> I'm going to keep this PG, guys. <laughs> you know what the worst part is, at least in my experience? Worse than the crowded stores, worse than the long checkout lines, worse than the traffic on the streets, it's the parking lots. Yes. That's the worst. Oh, my God, You're yes. not kidding. It's just terrible. People are mean. People are pushy. You have to park 10 miles away. That's the worst part. And if you think shopping centers are bad, the post office is just as bad. Oh, sure. People have no patience whatsoever. It's ridiculous. Look, I'm I'm masochistic when it comes to buying Christmas gifts, but not that much that I I'm going to the post office on Christmas. No, that's just <laughs> that's an impossible mission right there. That's hilarious. So yeah, I had that to do. I'm happy that that I got through it, that I came home unscathed. And I just want to throw out there that I completely empathize with all of you that work retail during the mm-hmm. holidays because I, I've been there, man. I worked retail for seven years before I moved into an office job. And, oh, man, the holidays were the worst because you have people irate coming in. And, you know, when it comes to stuff like that, I try to keep myself on check because I try to put myself in the shoes of this person. They don't control the company. They don't control mm-hmm. the sales or what's going on. They don't control the quantity unless you're the person that orders. Then, yes, you do control the quality. But I'm just saying, <laughs> if it's just somebody that's out on the sales floor, they can't control that stuff. So do your best not to be mean to those people because those are the people that are going to help you. And if you're not nice to them, they have every right not to help you. You know, keep it nice. Just just be nice. We're all human beings. Okay, that's what it comes down to. Of course, this is all advice for a year from now because no. our episode comes out after No, Christmas. this is not advice for a year from now. This is advice for any time because whether you're shopping well, for sure. Christmas or for a birthday or just in general, I mean, just do your best to keep yourself on check when you're talking to any anybody in the service industry, especially somebody that deals with your food, okay? Like, why would you oh, ever gosh, be yeah. mean to somebody that can potentially spit in your food before they Ew. bring it out? I'm just saying. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. That's true. You're not wrong. That's what I'm saying. So, you know, <laughs> keep it nice. Let's all be as nice as we can to each other. And yes, we get upset. But, I mean, sometimes we can do something about it. Sometimes we can't. But anyway, frustrating day just because of all the traffic and everything. I'm glad I made it through. Most of the shopping that I had to do is pretty much done. Nice. Along that same line, I was in the car and I was listening to, to just music to try to calm me down. Unfortunately, some of that music also tends to amp me up when I'm like <laughs> in that mode. It got me thinking about that song that I sent you guys earlier this week, which was the yeah, yeah. mariachi version of the Avengers theme. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it's awesome. It is. <laughs> so good. I, um, <laughs> You know what? Before we even continue talking about this, let me play a little piece of this for you. For all of you listening, because it's just okay. Here, take a just take a listen. Oh, 
Come on now. Come on. You can't tell me that you listen to that and you don't get all amped up and you're like, yeah, I'm an Avenger too. <laughs> right? I- it excites me, but I, I didn't connect it with the Avengers, as you know, because I'm not super familiar with their soundtracks. You don't say. Tell but me more. The, right? Yeah, I don't need to. You know it. You know it quite well. But, you know, I do know that when I've watched those films, I have noted that, yes, they have great music. I just am not familiar with it. And what these guys did, though, in taking a movie score, rearranging it for a mariachi arrangement is super impressive and they do a great job especially with the challenging acoustics of a tiny comic book shop Mm -hmm. and they did yeah it sounds spectacular it sounds like more than seven people for sure yeah it it sounds big and epic just like all those films do so they did a great job i'm all excited to just share how emotional this was like after you're watching i mean if you read my comment i did say who's cutting onions because yes I am a crybaby. I did cry because it's just so emotional. You feel it. Kind of like Coco. You are the music. You feel it and whatnot. And it's the little thing that you see at the end. I'm not going to say. you can re- I related to, I should say. It. I related to because when someone passes, you do this little thing. I can relate to that because yeah. I've done it. So, yeah. I mean, it. it Hits you in the feels. Yeah, super touching. I will say, though, that the beginning of the video, super cheesy. Like, I could have done with that whole <laughs> first, like, the intro portion of it. And so you could tell that the people in this band are also kind of nerdy and they like comics and they like video games and stuff like that just because of the passion that they put into putting this video and this piece together. Because like Gavin said, it's super impressive what they did with seven people because orchestral pieces are 30, 60, 80, you know, pieces of instrumentation that are all, you know, cohesive and make this amazing piece of music. But man, I got the same chills and the same feeling listening to them. And that's why I was so pumped up because I'm like, yeah, I'm re- let's do this, Thanos! Because <laughs> if you guys, if you've seen the first Avengers movie, this is what happened. It's the, the music that you hear when they assemble in New York for the very first time. That's It's the Avengers suite. They're, they're all there. And oh my God, I'm just... I'm just, I'm telling you, man. So, And here's the thing. <laughs> Very rarely do I connect with a piece of music on two levels. This one, I connected with it on that, like, superhero, like, you know, like, level. But also on the, I'm a proud Mexican level where, like, the mariachis just, they got it done. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, boy. Dude, you're so amped up right now. You have no idea. <laughs> it's awesome. It's so good. I'm telling oh, that's you. hilarious. If you guys enjoyed the little piece that I played for you guys, go to the um, blog post for the episode over at podcasters.com slash 236. You can watch the whole video. The beginning, pff, you know, kind of unmemorable, except for the part where they were trying to get the mariachi band to play the old school X-Men theme. That's kind of cool. I will accept that because, as we know, that original X-Men cartoon had one of the most symbolic pieces of music. That was a cartoon that that brought us a gambit. childhood. (laughs) I'm just saying. Super cool. Nice. Anyway, I just want to throw (laughs) that out there. uh, You may be shocked to hear that a superhero thing got me totally amped up today, too. <gasps> Did you see Iron I have, Man? 
Dude, no. I have a new favorite superhero movie, and it's called Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Shut it up. Did you watch it? It is phenomenal. Nice. So good. Yes. I am so excited about it. They should give it the Best Animated Feature Awards right now. It uh, is the best thing to come out this what? year. Sorry, Incredibles 2. Sorry, Wreck-It Ralph 2. It's the best thing that's come out this year. It's fan-freaking-tastic. <laughs> okay. I'm telling you. So the fact that you just told Incredibles 2 and Wreck-It yes. Ralph or Ralph Breaks the Internet to move aside for this one means a lot coming from you. So it, It's so good. What what put it up on that pedestal for you? Was it the writing? Was it the, the visuals? What exactly was it? Yeah, for me, it hit on all levels. You know, when I used to review animated films with Animation Station podcast, shout out to Josh. What's up, Josh? Uh, we would we would basically break three levels down for every single movie. We'd talk about the art, we'd talk about the music, and we'd talk about the story. So I kind of see movies in those three categories, and this hits top tier on every single one of those. I thought the story was perfect. It was really interesting and gripping and kept you excited and interested for what was around the corner the whole time. Nice. And it, you know, it did a great job of telling the story of this particular Spider-Man, which I didn't know anything about. So I felt like I got to see the origin and understand it and understand where it kind of played into the rest of the Spider-Verse, so to speak. And the music was phenomenal. They they really played up the whole Brooklyn hip hop cultural thing nice. that you know is you know was kind of birthed out of that part of the country. Cool. And so they they ride that real hard, and it's awesome. It plays into the film very well. And then the animation itself is so freaking cool, experimental stylistically, in a way that Pixar and Disney just never seem to feel comfortable doing. You know, they're always going for their Disney look or their Pixar look. And mm-hmm. so everything, even though if it's monsters or cars or superheroes, they all kind of have a, a look. You know, you can identify a Pixar film in the first three seconds if you didn't know it was Pixar, right? They have a style. Disney's the same. And that's fine. They're awesome at what they do. But they're only pushing technical boundaries with their films, with beautiful lighting and textures and stuff like that, which they're probably the best at still. But when it comes to artistic expression, they're not changing the world. And what Sony animation did on this picture is something I've never seen in animation. And they pushed a style as far as they wanted to and just went for it. And it comes off so well it serves the story and the content. You know, it serves that comic booky look so freaking well. I, oh man, I'm so pumped up about it. They did a great job. And it's, it's probably my favorite superhero movie at this point. And it's definitely my favorite animated movie of the year. It's, it's going to be one of my favorite animated movies for a while, I think. It's, it's really, really good. Wow. Five stars, two thumbs up. Hey. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't get a chance to watch this like I originally planned because, you know, I spent my time doing something much more fun, which was, you know, standing in lines. But <laughs> one of the questions I had going into this film was how they were going to integrate all of the different storylines and different spider people from the different universes. Did 
it feel organic the way that they introduced all the different spider people or did it kind of feel forced? I thought it felt very organic and natural. They were really efficient with the storytelling. So they, they dropped these other spider characters in and gave you a real succinct explanation of who they are and why they're there. And then the story just goes on. You know, it doesn't divert to tons of backstory for all of them. And they don't have any side adventures. They just kind of come in and add texture to the main problem at hand. Then it becomes kind of a team situation. And then it all resolves in a way where the the main hero is the main hero. I mean, that's not a spoiler. That's that's how right. it's going to happen in a, in a Common hero storytelling. superhero movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. So... Yeah, they did a great job with it. Like I had never I never knew of any of these other Spider-Men or iterations of it. Like they're not all men. I guess that may or may not be a spoiler, but uh and I just it all made sense to me, you know? And I and I think that also in the larger Marvel universe, this film kind of sits really nicely. You know, it doesn't it doesn't feel separate from all of that. There are some things that definitely tie it to the MCU at large and make it feel like it is a part of the collective, so to speak. Oh, that's good. Even though it doesn't have, you know, like Avengers characters in it, but it, you know, it feels like it's in the same realm. Uh, Excuse me. Spider-Man is an Avenger. Oh, I didn't know that. Don't you remember uh, in Infinity War when they're up in space and Tony Stark is like, hey, kid, you're now an Avenger. And he, like, christens oh him. <laughs> Hazen, I can't remember films I haven't seen, buddy. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's true. That's true. Touche. <laughs> okay, so my uh, bad. I just spoiled that part for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's okay. It's totally fine. I mean, he was in Civil War, right? Yeah, I mean, for a tiny bit for when they were second? having that big old yeah. battle. Yeah, at the airport, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I've seen him hang out with the Avengers. Yeah. So I, I mean, I guess, I guess I knew some of that. So would you say that the story was more Miles's story or Peter's story? Miles. It was all Miles. That's good. I can't really tell you about the Peter Parker side of the story without spoiling pretty big plot points. Got it. So I won't ah. tell you, but it is definitely focused on Miles Morales and his story, his origin. And, you know, coming to be a hero. Uh, So it's really good. It has great drama in the story. I feel like it has a couple of really good villains. And it never drags. I I never felt like there was a lull. It was really tight storytelling. Really great action and momentum. Everything hit for me. This, This is one of the best movies i've seen in a while it's really really good that's awesome mm-hmm. and i'm glad that it kind of ties into the mcu because we've already kind of seen a tie-in very briefly uh about miles morales it's not a huge like spoiler or anything but if you've seen spider-man homecoming there's a scene where peter goes into a parking lot or into like a parking structure and he meets up with this thief played by Donald Glover. The character's name is The Prowler. 
and the Prowler makes a vague reference to his nephew. And for mm-hmm. those that are familiar with the comic book, uh, the Prowler's nephew is Miles Morales. So yes. there's already been kind of a mention to that version of Spider-Man in the MCU. So I don't know how it necessarily ties into the Spider-Verse uh, film, but I, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that we get a chance to see a little bit more of that in upcoming Spider-Man films because this version of Spider-Man is my favorite version so far. And oh, cool. I'm, I was super excited. I'm super amped to watch this one. And now that, that you're saying all of this about it, I'm even more excited to go watch it. Um, you know, earlier this week, I was watching a video uh, that Kevin Smith had put together. You know, Kevin Smith, Mall Rats, and Chasing Amy, mm-hmm. like all those, you know, big films. Jay and Silent Bob. Uh, he's a big comic book nerd too, as some of you, you know, listening may know. He talked about all the Spider-Man films and TV shows from like ever in history. And he said mm-hmm. something that I hadn't been able to put together in my head. And when he verbalized it, I like instantly, oh yes, that is exactly why I like this character. In every iteration of Spider-Man that they've put out, they keep retelling the story of what happened to Uncle Ben. And they basically start from the beginning. Homecoming didn't do that. It just kind of started and you kind of already knew you had Aunt May, but they didn't like really try to put that in your head again. More importantly, they played the character how it was written in the comics. Like it felt like a teenage kid. He had that Brooklyn Mm -hmm. accent. Like it had that vibe that the comics had. And so when you mentioned that they did the same thing with this one, I thought, oh man, that's so cohesive that it feels like it's really just this storyline that's happening X amount of years later. So I'm, mm-hmm. oh man, dude, I'm, I can't even express to you how happy and excited I am now that you've said the, all this. Yeah, it, I recommend it to anybody. It's really, really, really worth seeing. It's so good. There's two other things I want to mention real quick. Uh, the first is we get the first posthumous Stan Lee cameo Aww. in this film. And yeah, but it is awesome. It's it's one of my very favorite Stan Lee cameos. It's it's really good. And, uh, you know, we talked about all of our favorite cameos a few episodes ago. So go check that out. But there's also in the grand Marvel tradition, an amazing post credit scene, which is hilarious. Yes, totally worth sticking around for. All right. And can you tell us if yes or no it ties into the MCU at all? I I don't I don't know I don't I'm not I don't have a cohesive knowledge of the MCU to say yes or no. Gavin it probably does. There's probably <laughs> some you know mark on a wall and somebody's like, oh, that's the symbol for this organization or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I can't say. All I can say is it's funny. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll go with that. I'll go. With okay, that. cool. Only because the rest of what you said is so good. Oh, my gosh. I love this movie so, so much. Mel, do you plan on watching it anytime soon? Uh, Now? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) to hear what Gavin's saying and knowing that he just isn't a superhero movie kind of person. uh, Yeah. Nice. I really hope it means that more studios are going to bring us animated like feature animation of superheroes you know it's always been relegated to cartoons on tv or 
like straight to DVD stuff for the most part, right? Mm-hmm. Like the big studios, unless it's their own creation, like The Incredibles for uh, at Pixar or uh, what was it called? Uh, Mega Mind. You know, movies yeah. like that where they're creating their own superheroes. Like they're, I don't know why, but I feel like this should indicate that there's a definite venue for animated superheroes that could be huge yeah because this this movie has it all it's so good i agree (laughs) well uh hoping that by the time that we record again i will have had some time to see it might be a little difficult with christmas and new year's coming up over the next week but i'm certainly gonna make an effort I have that, and I have Mary Poppins Returns on the docket. Mm-hmm. That's been something I've been looking forward to watching for some time now. And, it, I mean, I'm trying to stay away from all the spoilers and listening to people talk about it. But there's one thing that just keeps coming up over and over that, oh, the songs are just forgettable. You're just, ugh, I'm like, what? Well, it's also hard to be up on the level of the Sherman Brothers as well. That's true. That's very true. Because it's it was the songwriting that made that so amazing. That's very true. Uh, before we jump into some park stuff, can I just tell you, you know, speaking of the parks, that I truly enjoyed that little space mountain cap that you posted on your Instagram, Gavin. <laughs> yes. Oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, I am experimenting, learning. And trying out 3D printing now, which is a totally, well, it's a whole new world, you might say. And (laughs) it's all because I recently changed jobs. So I work for this amazing company called Matter Hackers here in Southern California. And I basically work for a place that sells 3D printers, like desktop 3D printers. And I have access to 3D printing and 3D modeling and I'm learning the whole thing. It's amazing. It's like science fiction. It's uh, technology that's just right out there on the edge and it's changing and evolving and it's so much fun. And so I decided to model something for the first time. And of course, if you follow my art, you know that I'm kind of obsessed with the geometry of Space Mountain. So I did Space Mountain, and it kind of worked out pretty cool. Uh, for my first design and first print, like everybody there was really impressed, and it was it turned out good. So uh, there will be more to come. I think you're being Stay humble, tuned. dude. I think you're being <laughs> humble because you're just like, eh, yeah, it just turned out good. I'm like, dude, this is freaking great. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, thank it's you. It's really, it really a, great. A fairly simple design, so the more expertise I get, the more detail and – uh, intricacies I can begin to pack into some of my designs. So I have a lot planned, a lot of ideas cooking in the old brain. So like I said, stay tuned. We'll have more more to show. Totally yeah. exciting. <laughs> yeah. If you guys, if anybody out there is has any sort of passing interest in 3D printing, check out Matter Hackers. We've got a YouTube channel. We've got an Instagram. And we actually have an open showroom down in Foothill Ranch. So if you want to come and stop by and check out some 3D prints and some 3D printers, you're totally more than welcome. It is an open door. And for all your 3D printer purchasing needs, make sure to hit up Gavin. Here, here. I'm sure, dude, I'm just going to say that, you know, if uh, if John Hench was around to see 
that little Space Mountain cap, <laughs> he'd be super proud of you. <laughs> wow. I'm just going to throw uh, it out there. I would hope so. I'm just going to throw it I out don't, there. I don't know. Uh, it's not it's not really hench level uh design but it's definitely inspired by him and his amazing shape and line work well for your first time man i'm telling you it's amazing i'm just gonna say it so thanks uh okay there was some other stuff that happened in the park that you know i mean they they waited to do this obviously for the most opportune time and this Uh, week we got news that the tropical hideaway was finally open just in time for us to be blocked out until January. (laughs) For real, right? (laughs) So true. (laughs) So Tropical Hideaway, I've seen some photos and I've seen people posting about it. I'm super pumped about it because you guys know about the Secret Society that kind of links all the, the Disney parks. Well, not all of the Disney parks, but... The Disney parks together, right? No, Kinda? I don't know anything about that. Very little. I think I may be confusing it for something else. Imagineers did this really cool thing in most of the Disney parks. And early last year at some point, they debuted something called uh, Misadventure Falls at Typhoon Lagoon at Walt Disney World. That was a tie-in to what's called the Society of Explorers and Adventurers. It's this, like, secret-ish club, you know, that ties uh, Disney World and Tokyo Disney Sea with Fortress Explorations. And over at Hong Kong Disney, uh, over at Mystic Manor, the whole point of Mystic Point is that it ties into Lord Henry Mystic, another member of the society, you know, is a monkey, Albert and stuff. He's very iconic on that attraction. The Tower of Terror over there. It's got a storyline that has to do with this guy named Harrison Hightower III, who's one of the members of the society. And so most of the Disney parks had this tie-in. And I think the Tropical Hideaway is the first attraction at Disneyland that really calls to it. Because I've seen some pictures that people are posting that seems to hint that that's the case. Now, I don't know exactly what's there because I haven't had a chance to visit it. But I'm super excited if that is the case and that they're tying it in to this storyline that's going on. Interesting. Did you guys get a chance to check out the Tropical Hideaway? No. <laughs> I did. You did? Nice. Okay. Yes. At, at the end of the night on Friday night, we decided to go on Friday, which was the last night that we could go before we were blocked out. And we went to the bitter end. But near the end of the night, 1030 or 11, we got to swing by the Tropical Hideaway and I got to check it out. It looks great. I was very impressed with it. I like the the vibe that they created. There's kind of a break between, you know, the main pathway and the interior with the little water feature, the waterfall and like two little bridges. There's tons of seating, it seems like. You know, for that area, I was really impressed with the amount of seating. And Rosita looks awesome. She's great. She's visible throughout the restaurant. So you're, I don't think there's a place you can sit where it's an obstructed view of her. You can see her from anywhere and you can see the boats coming by from the jungle cruise and she's able to communicate with the restaurant or the boats because of where she's perched right on the edge in between the two. So it's really cool. It's just a neat little place and they created a good atmosphere it it doesn't feel like it's a brand new thing stuck in the middle of 
old aged adventure land. It feels like it has, you know, some age to it. Like it was always there. Like it just belonged, which is awesome because I liked Aladdin's Oasis for the limited use that it got, but it always kind of didn't quite fit to me, you know, with the particular Adventureland vibe. It, yeah. it didn't really work with me. And so this aesthetically and thematically works better. And I think that it's it's awesome. I can't wait to try the food. Yeah. Yeah. Aladdin's Oasis really did break the cohesiveness of the general aesthetic because you know you have this the tiki room with there's a lot of bamboo and a lot of you know plants and all of a sudden you're in agrabah and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden yeah. you're back in the jungle you know yeah. so it, it really did break the cohesiveness did you ever get a chance to head to the tahitian terrace when it was still around i never did i, I believe it was open at the time that we traveled out there several times when i was a kid you know i i've always known what it is but it's not something that we went to. Got it. What about you, Mel? Did you ever go to the Tahitian Terrace? No, not to my knowledge. Yeah, no. One of the things that I'm curious about is how this new attraction slash restaurant matches up to the Tahitian Terrace, right? Because back in its heyday, it was a performance venue with some food, but I, I think it was less space, but it felt big also. It was open until 1993, and that was way before we were going, you know, frequently. So I never had a chance to experience it. By the time I stepped foot in Disneyland again after my first trip when I was like five or something like that, it was already Aladdin's Oasis. So I I don't ever recall really seeing it as a Tahitian Terrace myself. So I'm curious... If anybody listening had a chance to visit the Tahitian Terrace and you've seen pictures of the Tropical Hideaway or had a chance to visit the Tropical Hideaway so far, join the conversation and leave us a comment over at the blog post, podcasters.com slash 236, or maybe on Facebook, Instagram, or on Twitter. We're podcasters on all of the social networks. I'm just curious, you know, how does it compare? I know it's unfair to compare the two because it's two different things, but the theme that it had before, I mean, it was pretty popular, you know, so it mm-hmm. was, people were kind of shocked when they turned it into Aladdin's Oasis. This just seems that it just fits so much better, even if it's maybe even better than the Tahitian Terrace did, at least from what I know about it. So yeah, if you guys mm-hmm. have any thoughts on it, had a chance to visit let us know in the comment section. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, did you get a chance to see some of the decor, Gavin? Because one of the pictures that I saw that was posted was, it looks like all of the birdies that sing have perches available for really? them. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't see that. Uh, you know, it was dark when we were there. And the, it feels like it's mostly torchlight that, you know, illuminates Ooh. it at night. So it has a really cool feel to it. There are obviously some real lights because it's not that dark, but it is a dimmer kind of place. So I didn't see some of the fine details. Uh, I can't wait to go back and explore some of that. But that's really cool. I didn't see that. That's cool. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward. It's a new place to photograph. You know, mm-hmm. I I love photographing new spots at Disneyland, and you don't get many opportunities to do that. And I know sure. that most photographers will argue that it's about where and how you photograph and looking for new angles and that's true you can always find new and exciting photographs especially when you 
change your vantage point. But I mean, when you scroll through Instagram, you know, there's there's a lot of photos that just look the same. You True. know, and I yeah. I've refrained from posting a lot recently because I kind of feel like the one that I wanted to post, 20 other people already posted something that looks almost exactly the same because we're all taking that picture that makes us feel, you know, and so yeah. I just keep thinking, all right, well maybe it's time for me to start switching it up now. So that's kind of where I am right now. I haven't mm-hmm. been too active on my Instagram and I I think I'm just kind of rejiggering my train of thought when it comes to that of course i'm going to keep posting the stuff that i post because i have a lot of photos but i think it's time for me to start looking at things a little bit differently when i go to the parks but you know that that's a me thing guys i'm sorry I'm throwing it out there, <laughs> but that's a me thing well keep after it i've said it before on the show your photography is the reason that i'm here that we became friends, that I met you, that I became aware of the Pocketeers, and that I'm co-hosting this show. Aww. So Thanks, buddy. You got Thanks. it. So it all started with the photo. It did. Of a mouse. <laughs> of a mouse's house. <laughs> of a mouse's house. Uh, I'm, I'm really glad that they did this Tropical Hideaway, though. And it makes me think about other underutilized or even completely unused spots in the park that hopefully they'll begin to address. You know, I've read some recent things about their upcoming budgets in the parks and there's huge amounts of money in the next year or two going to be allocated to updating, plussing, and, you know, managing things that have maybe kind of fallen down a peg or two you know and i hope that that, right exactly yes Mm -hmm. that's a perfect example and there are other areas that are you know relatively empty and that's kind of crazy in a place like disneyland yep so hopefully this is just the start of more interesting new details to come to the park yeah aside from galaxy's edge i agree yeah, it will be nice to see a further development. And really, Disney's going to have to further develop because, you know, we talked a little bit about this. Disneyland has started removing a lot of the benches and a lot of stuff around the parks and a lot of the trees that were kind of in the way. And it's not because they don't want you to sit somewhere. It's because it's a crowd control thing. Disneyland Mm -hmm. is very small and the streets are very narrow. And whenever you have benches, you have people sitting there with strollers and a bunch of other stuff. And so it can obstruct the flow of of you know people traffic of foot traffic mm-hmm. along you know the parade routes or firework routes and if you've ever been trying to get out of the park or into any of the lands that the that the hub spokes out to you know exactly what I'm talking about because right after fireworks mm-hmm. or a parade it's kind of a nightmare and so they yep. went through this process of removing all of these benches and trying to open up and widen the walkways but then It leaves this hole of where do people sit and what do they do? And so they've made accommodations already with, if you guys know, right next to the Bengal Barbecue, there used to be a shop. You know, they had the little Indiana Jones pinball machine and everything. And they redecorated that and redid that entire space as seating area next to Bengal Barbecue. And it's great. You know, it's nice and cool air conditioned, especially in the summer. And now with the Tropical Hideaway, it's, it's that next step. 
right? And yeah. the more that they do this, the better off we're going to be because it's it's so weird because we complain as fans because, ah, oh, it's too crowded, oh, it's this and that. But then we're also the ones causing the problem, right? So then something yeah. changes and all of a I'm sudden we're like, how it. dare they change it? <laughs> how dare they do that? But they're doing it because we complain to begin with, you know? Yeah, so that's true. Uh, I think this is just Disney listening and sometimes the changes don't happen fast enough that people can see what the future holds and how much better it's going to be in those other avenues. And so I think when you try to look at it through those eyes, you begin to see why those changes are happening. Mm-hmm. I feel you. Yeah. So I'm happy, man. So yeah, Tropical Hideaway, hoping we get a chance to see it that first weekend that we're back. I almost feel like it's going to be really packed because the first day back also happens to be the last day that I believe the holidays at Disneyland will be active. And that's when they're going to start closing stuff down to switch the overlays back. So Mm -hmm. it might be packed that day. But I'm curious because one of the things I want to try at the Tropical Hideaway is the new pineapple and orange swirl. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, I'm all about that. I want to chow on some bow. I want to. I mean, what if it has a face <laughs> and care. little glasses? Or being googly probably, eyes. It's probably delicious. <laughs> or it gets married and drives away in a car. Oh. <laughs> Will you still eat it then, Gavin? If I can catch Cause it. Because the lady did. <laughs> All right. So let's, uh, let's talk about some other park stuff that's going on. Uh, we're getting the Get Your Ears On Celebration. Coming yeah. to the parks. Yes. We're just a couple weeks away from that officially kicking off. As you know, Disney does birthdays right because every celebration that they have goes on for 16 and a half years. Uh, this is no just exception. Keep the party starting. <laughs> they keep going. <laughs> I'm kidding. Usually these celebrations <laughs> that honor milestone anniversaries go on for a couple of years. I think the 60th anniversary went on for what, like two and a half years-ish? Yeah, yeah. it was two and a half. About, yeah. right? So uh, this is paying tribute to Disney's most iconic couple, Mickey and Minnie. As you know, we recently celebrated their 90th birthday. We were in the park. If you haven't had a chance to check out that video for Mickey's 90th cavalcade, I'll put a link in the blog post for the episode, podcasters.com slash 236. Make sure that if you go over to our YouTube channel and check that out, smash that subscribe button and hit that bell icon for notifications whenever we post brand new videos. And if you like it, make sure to hit that thumbs up button and tell your friends about it. Uh, It was a cool celebration, super short, but I thought it was cool. They had the ambassadors involved. Uh, And now we're getting this get your ears on celebration coming to the parks. Uh, we're getting sensational back. I'm excited for that. I miss it. Interesting. Yeah. So is it going to be with new elements? They're going to plus it, right? Yes. I believe we're getting a new float. Mickey's, um, getting a new float. There's going to be a new drum line to it. Again, I miss it. So I'm kind of biased. (laughs) Is Mickey going to be the finale now? Because wasn't it, wasn't it Mary Poppins was the finale? Yeah. Mary Poppins was the finale and Mickey was the beginning. So I think Mickey's still, still going to be the beginning. beginning. Oh, he's just getting a new flow? Yeah, so mm-hmm. I think Mickey's going to be the ah. beginning still, but now he's going to be in a huge birthday cake. Hopefully it's Mickey and Minnie, right? Ah, uh, that's what I'm hoping. I mean, well, they were both on the same flow. Oh. But as far as I know, Chip and Dale are supposed to accompany Mickey. 
What? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. yeah so it's supposed to be uh, Chip and Dale accompanying Mickey and or Minnie still to be determined. Huh. So the, the entire opening is going to be slightly different now to pay homage to the 90th anniversary or the 90th birthday okay. of Mickey and Minnie. Uh, and then we're supposed to get a few different elements throughout the parade as well. But uh, that's starting back on January 25th, which is a couple weeks after we're allowed mm-hmm. to be back into the park. So I'm excited to see that because Sensational is one of my favorite parades. I just I love the soundtrack to it. And I know, Gavin, you're, I know you're not a big parade guy. That's that's your uh, let's go ride on rides time. But Sensational, I think, has one of the more upbeat and happy soundtracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, are, do we know if they're going to update the music for the parade at all? It's supposed to be slightly different. Okay. Yeah, it is. It yeah. is slightly. Hopefully, revamped. they do it better than what they did for Paint the Night with the Incredibles, which didn't really kind of felt like it was kind of pasted in there sloppily, right? Yeah, I mean, I still think about that, and I don't really understand the placement of the Incredibles float in Paint the Night, but. Yeah, it, it really did feel like it was a last-minute addition to paint because mm-hmm. I like the music for The Incredibles. I just think the placement didn't fit because of what was going on. The Paint the Night soundtrack has just ups and downs throughout the entire soundtrack. And yeah. just where it was, just it kind of broke you out of the element of the song. You know, it didn't flow yeah. as well. And you're right. I hope that they don't do the same thing for Sensational because... It's it's such a good it just gets you pumped, man. Once you start listening yeah. to it, you want to start dancing and they got the drum line coming through and it's just it's a great piece of music. Well, the other thing that they're doing besides the parade though is a nighttime show with projections. Yeah. Yes. Which that I think is gonna be pretty interesting. And it and they're I think it's the first time ever that they're officially saying that is it's a part time pyro kind of show. Yeah. Where they're only gonna include fireworks on certain weekends. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting. So that means that really the main focus of the show is gonna be on projected surfaces. So yes. it's gonna change where we might want to stand and watch these things and i think that's pretty interesting and might kind of be a game changer as far as park flow because you know that's usually my beef with these kinds of things is that this park was never designed for ten thousand people to be in any one spot anywhere Mm -hmm. and nightly and daily they are (laughs) and it just becomes a traffic jam so i'm i'm kind of excited to see i'm excited to see the show First of all, I think it looks really cool from what we've seen so far. And I'm also excited to see if it kind of spreads out the crowd a little bit. Yeah, I think it will. You know, I think Disney has done stuff like this in the past already where when they just had the fireworks shows, people tended to crowd around the hub in front of the castle on Main Street towards the end. And that was really the only place where you could enjoy something like that. When they started incorporating the projection mapping... People started spreading out over towards Tomorrowland, and then all of a sudden they added it on It's a Small World. They added it in the Rivers of America, the way that they project Fantasmic. And now you had these two other places where you can watch it from. When they incorporated the Matterhorn, now you could spread out into that area. And by the way, the Matterhorn is like my favorite canvas for those because the projections (laughs) look just super cool for any show that they do. Just giant canvas. Now that they do most of the projection mapping along Main Street, 
I think we mentioned it this last episode when Melissa and I were in the park with my wife and kids for our final day that we could go for Christmas. Yeah. We enjoyed the fireworks show from right in front of the Penny Arcade. And that's kind of our default spot now because you get a decent view of the castle. You get a decent view of the fireworks above the castle, but you see all of the projections on Main Street from there. Mm -hmm. And that's never a spot where I thought like, yeah, I want to see it from here until the projections started happening during Disneyland's 60th anniversary when they were doing Disneyland Forever. Mm -hmm. If this is just part-time fireworks or no fireworks at all going forward, we've talked about them making that change, right? Where they wanted to get rid of the pyro itself and do more mapping and use drones and stuff like that for these types of shows. It it might be that game changer, like you said, right? Mm -hmm. We're still going to get... Uh, all the stuff on the facade of It's a Small World. We're still getting it at the Rivers of America. You, it is a slightly different experience, right? If, you, yeah. if you've seen it more than once, it's no big, right? You can see it in one of the other locations. But I think if you're there for the first time, you want that iconic castle, like, you know, view with the fireworks. Like, to most people, that's what Disneyland's about. So yeah. if, you, if you're watching it for the first time, it's all good. Uh, but yeah, this one, this is going to start, uh, it's Mickey's, uh, Mickey's Mix Magic is what the, the mm-hmm. show is called. Mickey yes. is going to be emceeing it. He's going to be the DJ. I think it has <laughs> more Mickey, of a, Mickey. yeah, it kind of has like this nightclub feel to it. I saw a mention of lasers. Oh, so. there's going to be yeah. tons of lasers in this one, dude. <laughs> and the, the theme song, I haven't had a chance to really listen to to it but the theme song is called it's a good time and it's supposed to be this like dancey type song that you know it's supposed to give people that dance like vibe so i think (laughs) it's it's very similar i I don't know dude i think it's gonna be like the the disney electronica on main street vibe to it (laughs) i'm all excited for very club (laughs) disney so uh, i want to be there dude i'm i'm super excited for that yeah, I'm excited for it too. I'm also wondering if if and when World of Color ever returns to us, if it comes back this coming year, maybe it'll be a Mickey centric show. Mm. I think that would be really cool too cuz I like World of Color. It's kind of the one exception to all these nighttime shows that I have seen several times and I I do enjoy it. So, and I think it's largely because I feel like there's a a comfortable venue from which to watch it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I wonder what they're going to do with that. Because it's been down for a long time at this point. Yeah. Uh, but they've traditionally used it for this kind of thing because they used it for the 60th. And they had yeah. a special World of Color show for that, which I thought was great. So World of Color went down for just general maintenance back in April when they started the transition to Pixar mm-hmm. Pier. But there was a lot of damage to the fountains. And so I don't know if they were they were further damaged during the construction of Pixar Pier or if it was just damage that they had incurred from general showings and just kind of, you know, wear and tear but Mm -hmm. they were hoping to bring it back by the end of 2018 and so by now we should have had world of color back but they ended up pushing it to now sometime in 2019 because they're still working on all of that so it is Mm -hmm. coming back it just doesn't have a definite date as to when it's coming back right now well hopefully it'll be soon the the bay looks kind of 
crappy with the fountains sticking out of it all day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what do you guys think about this whole Mickey celebration that's going to last a year? Do you have like really high hopes for it? Like, do you feel like it's going to be fitting uh, for Mickey Mouse? Because I feel like the last couple things they did, like specifically Pixar Fest, it seemed like a lot of signs and a couple of shows, but I didn't feel like it was a real celebration of Pixar, you know, throughout the resort. Yeah. Where I feel like it could have been. I feel like they missed some opportunities. So I'm hoping with Mickey, they really, really push it. You know, like, let's let's party with Mickey the whole year and make it a big deal. I, I hope they do. What do you guys think on that level? I think they're going to reach expectations. I have high expectations mm-hmm. because of Electronica. And seeing what Disney could do with remixing their own music. I mean, sure. like familiar tunes that we, we know of. They do a great job. So to see what they're going to do and projections and the lasers, it's going to give that vibe. And I don't think it's going to be like corny or anything. I think it's going to be mm-hmm. awesome. It's going to get everybody to just celebrate dance. Well, see, I'm, I'm on board with the, the parade and the show, uh-huh. right? I'm talking about, you know, they're, they're pitching it in a similar way that they did with Pixar Fest, mm-hmm. where it's not just we're celebrating for 15 minutes at the end of the night. It's, it's supposed to be like the park is celebrating Mickey, right? Yeah. So what I'm saying is, do you feel like you're going to feel that throughout the park, wherever you are, no. and whatever you're doing? Not throughout the park, because you're not going to get that like in New Orleans Square. I don't think yeah. so. Um, if you were to go Small World Mall, um, pretty much, I want to say everywhere except for Frontierland, New Orleans Square, Critter Country, you're not going to feel that. Yeah. See, I, I would want to see like like Mickey in all those lands dressed in garb that's appropriate for those lands you know and you know mickey themed decorations in every land that you know fits that oh, like, okay you know what i'm saying like decorate it as if it's a year-long party for mickey i thought mickey's you meant, like, in on the action show. <laughs> no i'm talking about like walking through the park any time ah, of day the atmosphere the mood that it's supposed to be a celebration right like pixar fest i feel like was supposed to be celebrating pixar for that whole summer. Yeah. And it really, I didn't feel it except for in the Esplanade, they were playing Pixar music mm-hmm. and they slapped stickers on the monorail and they had a nighttime show and that's it. You know, I didn't feel like, I mean, they had all the food, but unless you're into touring the park through the food, then you don't really see it. So with Mickey, that's the big cheese, man. I feel like they should decorate the park for his birthday i think i think mickey should be everywhere yeah everywhere and i want to feel it that's my hope for it yeah i mean i i have to agree with melissa i think that you'll feel it more like and it's a small world mall right before maybe toontown uh you'll certainly get a vibe on main street but i don't think it's going to be a huge vibe i think the vibe is going to come more from the merchandise I think what would help, like you said, is if they actually had banners, kind of like the Pixar Pier banners that they had in the Esplanade, but throughout the park, you know, with some visuals that say that it's Mickey and Minnie's 90th birthday party or whatever we're celebrating. Uh, And I don't think we're going to necessarily see that. 
we might feel it a little bit more because it's Mickey in his park versus, mm-hmm. hey, by the way, here's Pizza Planet in Tomorrowland, which you don't really see for, you know, Pixar Fest. And unless you were looking at the monorail, you wouldn't have really known that it was Pixar Fest. So right. Pixar Fest really did feel short uh, from yeah. the marketing and from the visual standpoint of what it was celebrating. You're completely right on that. But I, I think I think this one isn't going to be as much the visual as it is the feeling. You know, because Mickey might come out dressed a little bit different, you know, for his birthday. And so the photo ops will feel different. Uh, they might change up, you know, the Mickey design in the front by the train station. You know, the flower bed that they have, that might change. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly. But overall, I, I just think that it's going to be pretty much business as usual until it comes to Sensational and it comes to the fireworks show or the, the new nighttime show. Because that's mm-hmm. kind of how it felt on his birthday, right? Aside from the fact that they had the, the little Mickey, the sipper, you know, the birthday sipper, mm-hmm. and the fact that they had the cavalcade, it really didn't feel like they were celebrating Mickey that day. You know, it just kind of felt like business as usual. Yeah. I I mean, I guess at that time they're trying to compete with the holiday season. But that's what I would like to see. You know, they do Halloween decorations throughout the park. They do Christmas decorations throughout the park. I personally would love to see Mickey decorations throughout the park. You know, they could on Main Street, they could have red and yellow and black bunting with the banners on the lampposts. They can do, you know, Mickey-themed garlands in New Orleans Square like they do for Mardi Gras. Yeah. I mean, they could do there's a million things they could do. I, Sam and I could get together and come up with 10 million awesome ideas for decorating the park for Mickey, and it would be amazing. And I just hope I, – I, I don't know. I want it to be celebratory. Yeah. I don't want it to be – a show, a parade, and merchandise. I get you, man. I'm, I'm you know, totally with you on that. The most I've seen the whole park decorated was when the train and the Mark Twain came back. I mean, that was like the most amount of balloons that they hmm. had put at every stop um, on the Mark Twain itself. That looked really cool and festive, but I think that was only for one day. Yeah, sure. I want to say it was sure. only a day. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the song Mickey's Mix Magic is going to be like the official theme song for the celebration. Uh, but I know that a couple of years ago, when for Mickey's birthday, remember when Mickey changed into that contemporary outfit where he was traveling around the world? Like uh, he had like the, the sneakers on and he had like kind of yeah. like the black jacket. Like that was one of my favorite Mickey outfits of all time because it just seemed yeah. casual. He looks super cool dancing in it. And Tony Ferrari had created a song called What We Got which was Mickey's birthday song. And it, it just became the theme song for, for that year. You know, like it, it was a super catchy song. And that year it really felt like they really pushed the whole Mickey's birthday dynamic with this whole, you know, going around the world and everything. Yeah. And this year, you know, they had that special at the shrine, but it just kind of, it was like a one-day thing. Like, it kind of fell short. And I think that's what you're talking about, right, Gavin? That yeah. they're having all these one-off things, but no- none of it feels like it goes to the grand scheme of every day, 24-7, celebrating Mickey's birthday at the right. park. Yeah. Right. I mean, to me, it's – I don't know if it's as big, but it's 
it's in the same ballpark as like the 50th anniversary of the park and the 60th. And I mean, this is the 90th, you know, and I don't know. I just feel like it deserves something. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, man. But we'll see. I mean, we have a couple more weeks before. I mean, they could completely prove us wrong, right? They might actually have learned something from uh, how Pixar Pier was promoted and Pixar Fest, you know, and maybe enough people voiced their their concerns or voiced their opinions that, you know, maybe this will be different. Maybe that's what they were saving all that money for to make Mickey decorations. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? True. We'll see. That'd be awesome. So let's let's at least revisit this after a week or two that it's been active and then we'll kind of see where it goes. Because I think it kicks off um when we get back because the the celebration pretty much starts at the beginning of the year the nighttime show starts on the 18th so it's not necessarily when we're back in the park but sensational doesn't return until a week after on january 25th so it's going to be staggered over the month of january so maybe let's revisit this maybe the end of january early february and let's see how they've done okay we agree on that yeah agreed all right cool uh, so the last thing that we want to talk about in this episode is, uh, you know, we've been seeing a lot of uh, stuff on the upcoming Lion King live action film, which I still believe is not live action because it's all 3D, whatever, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> the point is that because of the Lion King, you know, it's going to be released very soon. There was an online petition talking about how people want Disney to relinquish the trademark of Akuna Matata because it's a Swahili phrase, you know, and people are saying that they have no right to trademark something that they didn't invent. Your thoughts on uh, this petition? I think if this is very interesting and I think it's, um, I think it's a lot of misinterpretation and a lot of, People taking offense where none is really intended or actually exists. And I think the problem becomes when people feel like Disney has taken that phrase away from people. Yeah. Which they really haven't. You know, you can say Hakuna Matata. There's no limit on you saying that. You can actually create merchandise that says Hakuna Matata. You just can't create anything that looks like it came from Lion King and have Hakuna Matata. Right. You know, you can't create a t-shirt with a warthog and uh, I forget what Timon is. Um, a meerkat. A meerkat. Yeah. yeah. You can't create, you know, those two animals and put Hakuna Matata on a t-shirt and sell it. Like that's what they trademarked is its use in the film, in that song, by those characters with that intent. They're not appropriating anything. I don't feel and they're certainly not barring people from using that Swahili phrase. Yeah. And I think it's it's really interesting because when it comes to business and intellectual properties, I mean, you have to be careful or people will rip you off. And at the same time, there's enough wiggle room there where you can you can still use Hakuna Matata. It's fine. You know, it's interesting because I, I, I looked into it and I, I read a bunch of articles on this. And I don't really understand the intent behind the demand for Disney to relinquish this trademark, but I understand Disney's side of it. And I don't know if that makes me the bad guy or 
what or just the businessman. But it relates back to a very famous trademark um, situation that came up between none other than the Beatles, which is my favorite music group of all time, and Apple Computers, which is my favorite computer company of all time. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically... Steve Jobs, when he was creating his company, wanted to call it Apple because he was a huge fan of the Beatles. You ask, what the heck does that have to do with the Beatles? Well, the Beatles created their own record label called Apple Records, and they had a company called Apple Limited. And basically, they trademarked Apple. So when Steve Jobs created his company, Apple, litigation came against him, and basically it was... Uh, ruled that as long as Steve Jobs never did anything in the music industry, then he could be fine using Apple for his computer company. Well, you fast forward 20 years and iTunes comes along and the whole thing blows up again because now Apple is directly in the music business. So, you know, it, it it has more to do with what you're actually using your name for what you're using this trademark thing for you know they those two groups basically came to a settlement where you know money was exchanged in this kind of a case that's not really going to happen you're not going to disney's not going to give money to everyone who speaks swahili to you know appease whatever this is but i think that's the point is that it's just how you're using this that becomes the problem for 99.9999999% of the uses possible for the phrase Hakuna Matata, you're free to do it. The 0.000001 thing that you can't do is just tie it to the Lion King film. Right. Really. Yeah. So I, I that's to me, it's just such a minuscule little, it's like semantics. And I just, I ultimately just don't see the problem because to me, I feel like in a lot of ways, Lion King is a is a tribute to Africa mm-hmm. and African culture. And I think it's a very positive thing. But I guess that's not how it's seen all the time. Yeah. I honestly, I see like the the Lion King stage show, like the Broadway show as more of a tribute mm-hmm. than I do the film. Sure. But, yeah. but I, I, I kind of understand the road that you're taking with that one. And like you said, I think it's just a matter of people not understanding exactly, you know, what trademarks and copyrights and patents and all that stuff kind of mean. But right. you're right. Like Disney released a statement at one point when this whole thing started. Their statement read, Disney's registration for Akuna Matata, which was filed in 1994, has never and will not prevent individuals from using that phrase. And that's pretty much all they've said on the matter. Really, this began to pick up traction because in 1982, there was a band by the name of Them Mushrooms, it's a Kenyan band, that had a song called Jambo Buana, where they used the phrase Hakuna Matata. The song was super popular. It went platinum. They basically said, hey, look, 14 years after we released this song, all of a sudden Disney is putting together this thing. But like Gavin said, I don't it has nothing to do with the trademark on the phrase itself. They were protecting how it tied into the Lion King. 
So you're mm-hmm. right. If you wanted to put something together that says Akuna Matata, you you can because it's a phrase. And I'm sure that as long as it's not tied into the Lion King, you know, Disney won't really do anything about that. It's when it gets tied into those characters that they created or the songs that are related to the film where it begins to become a problem. Right. Right. Yeah, it's interesting where this is going to go because I don't think it's going to get very far after this because I don't see it as appropriation either. I mean, but it's yeah, not no. it's not affecting me, you know, in any way. So maybe that's why I see it like that. I don't know. I mean, if if there's a case for it and you guys would like to pose it, I'd like to hear it. I'm not I'm not being mean about it or anything. I'm just, you know, I would just like to learn more about it as to why it might be considered appropriation. But be- mm-hmm. because the way that I see it right now, I I don't see it like that. That's yeah. where I was confused as well. I was reading articles. I was trying to understand why it was done and what I thought was, you know, Disney is not going to be there to harm. That's that's not one thing they wanted to do. And I was researching back on how they prepared for The Lion King, all the things that they did. I mean, actually pretty much with every film, just like Coco, they try their best to learn before they even, you know, do this film because of look what it is. It's it's someone's, you know, culture. There's They don't want to do harm. Yeah, it's still I mean, again, I mean, I want to know if there's another side to this, but I just don't see Disney doing harm. And just like Gavin, what you have said, you could still put those words together. That's fine. It's just because they they created the Lion King. It's just you can't do like the the Simba symbol, you know, right. that you see on the, the tree. You can't do that. That's I think that's the only where it should just stand. I think some of the confusion stems from just understanding what a trademark is. Yeah. You know, Hazen mentioned a second ago uh, patents as well. And that's more to do with something you've invented that's unique. Trademark is trademarking a unique use of something, you know. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, Nike is ancient Greek. You know, they didn't invent the word Nike it comes from a statue of a winged immortal being. Yeah. And they trademarked Nike. But that's not to say you can't use the word Nike for anything. You know, Yahoo is trademarked. Yeah. That means you can't go around saying Yahoo. <laughs> you, know, you can <laughs> all you want. And you can use it in various ways. You just can't use it in a way that, you know, competes with what they're doing. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's, it's really just... You know, because I heard a lot of comments like Disney didn't invent that. They can't own it. Well, that's not what this is about. They know they don't own it. They're just protecting their usage of it and the artistic license that they took when they created that film and Mm -hmm. the products, you know, thereof. And it it has nothing to do with who invented it or where its origin was. It's weird. It's, It's an interesting legal discussion and... It's a a common thing these days for something to come up with no matter what it is, you know? Somebody is going to find some way to make a big deal about something. Right. And I don't, you know, it's hard to weigh everything and tell every time, like, what's right, what's wrong in these types of situations. Nine times out of ten, to me, it just seems like nothing. I don't know. You know, one of the things that we've joked about recently and talked about a little bit is this whole debate about 
is the genie going to be blue or not in the Aladdin film, you know? And mm-hmm. some people are really upset about the idea that he's not going to be blue and they have big problems with this. And I think that's nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I really do. I think that's nothing. But people get passionate and they want to get worked out up about something for whatever it's worth. And I don't... I don't know that this is what it is because it seems to be coming from a place of sincerity, but maybe a place of misidentified intentions. Yeah. I think because of the fact that when people or companies file any type of paperwork for stuff like this, like people tend to see it as that's it. It belongs to them. Nobody could ever use it. Right. But like you said, it's just an identifier. That's what a trademark is. It just identifies the source of what company it's coming from rather than what their physical products are. And that's kind of where this lies. It's not necessarily that they're saying, hey, look, we came up with it. They're just using it. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I think overall this is just kind of going to blow over after a little bit. Uh, I understand why the, the petition started. And like you said, I think it's just a limitation of knowing what trademarks. And look, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know all the ins and out of all of this. This is just from what I've gathered, reading a little bit about what trademarks, what patents, what copyrights are, why this started, why it's happening and why they feel it was being appropriated. But like there's so many patents out there that people will take you to court over. You know, and as far as this one, Disney is pretty much saying like, no, look, you can use it. You can say it. It's fine. We're just trying to protect the Lion King property, not Mm -hmm. Hakuna Matata itself. So especially considering they have a song called Hakuna Matata. So it's going to be interesting where this one ends up. So we're definitely going to keep our eyes open. And as soon as we know how it turns out, we'll definitely talk about it again in an upcoming episode. All right, guys, I think that's going to wrap it for this episode. If you have any thoughts on what we just talked about or any of the other subjects in this or any other episode, make sure to join the conversation. Head over to the blog post for the episode, podcasters.com slash 236. Let us know your thoughts, and uh, we'll read your comments on an upcoming episode. You can leave us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, or on Twitter. You can join our Facebook group over uh, Podcasters. We'll put links to all of that in the blog post as well. Before we close up the podcast, I just want to remind you that this episode of Podcasters is brought to you by our podcast, Very Godparents. They call themselves the FGP Squad, and for those that don't know, they are a group of uh, amazing listeners that help us out with a monthly contribution via Patreon. If you would like to become part of the FGP Squad, head on over to podcasters.com slash FGP for more information on how you can become a part of the FGP squad. You can do so for as little as $1, but for a minimum of $5, you also get the exclusive Fairy Godparent button as a thank you for your support. And there's going to be more content that's going to be exclusive to you next year as well. So look forward to all of that. To all of our podcast Fairy Godparents, we thank you as always for your support. Also, big things for Podcateers in 2019. Make sure you're a part of it. I'm so excited for all the changes (laughs) that are coming. Should we give them a taste or should we wait till the next episode? No spoilers. No No spoilers. For all you Doctor (laughs) Who fans, there's a little River Song reference for you. 
Uh-uh-uh. Spoilers. <laughs> All right, so that is going to wrap it up for this episode, guys. Time to go wrap some more gifts. Time to make some hot chocolate and watch a movie <laughs> and just relax. Nice. Just relax. All the gifts. That's right, all of them. I haven't all even ones, started. <laughs> all the ones I had to line up for hours and hours and hours for. So oh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> all right, everyone. So until next time, have a magical week, everyone. Major luck. Can we still say Merry Christmas? <laughs> yeah, we can still say Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry belated Christmas. There you go. Feliz Merry un Christmas. <laughs> Happy greetings. Happy greetings. <laughs> Holly jolly un Christmas. <laughs> <laughs>